When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Hard to believe it's April 20th, but with so much going on. I got to tell you, the calendar's flying by so fast. We're just so thrilled to have you here, and this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. So we say each week, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Today, I am so excited to have Gwen Muse-Evans. She was Senior Vice President, Chief Risk Officer for single-family business at Fannie Mae, has unique insights. Today, she is President CEO of GME Enterprises. We're going to be talking about her perspective. She lives inside the Beltway. We're going to hear the perspective from her about how people are responding to COVID-19, the pandemic, and to get some very good information, some best practices, and what you can listen to from someone who has been managing risk for some of the largest entities out there in our industry, specifically Fannie Mae. So, so excited. We're pleased to tell you that we're a part of the Industry Syndicate. Check out industrysyndicate.com. We're so pleased to be a part of them. And we've also joined Mortgage Media. We're now putting feeds on our website. They're putting our feed on their website, mortgagemedia.com. Check them out. We're going to be doing a lot more with them, and you're going to hear more and more about it. So part of two organizations that are working on getting you, the mortgage lenders, participants, and realtors, more and more realtors are listening, and even policy setters on the Hill are listening to us. That is amazing. I'll talk about that in just a minute. We got a text from one of the House of Representatives I talked to about all that's going on on the forbearance issue and the consequences of it, especially as it relates to conventional issuers. And that was really interesting. So doing a podcast on Friday, got a special notice from uh, one of the representatives. So we're thrilled to have our sponsors, Mortgage Bankers Association America, Finastra, Lenders One, The Mortgage Collaborative, CMLA, the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, Indicom, Incelerate. was just talking to Josh this weekend about some of the stuff on Friday, some of the things that he has going on. That company is growing like crazy. Check out Incelerate.com as well as Ainsworth Advisors. Check out AinsworthAdvisors.com, as well as AI Assist. It is an artificial intelligence platform that helps you reach your borrowers or your target market, whoever that may be, as well as Celebrity Home Loans. Pete Gabrion's message, go back and listen to that from 11-18, November 18th of 2019, talking about M&A and the growth and how you can grow through M&A, especially in these times, as well as Knowledge Coop. Shout out to Ken Perry and the team who put on the Mortgage 2020 Conference last week. 
got I was a, got to be a part of it. Barry Habib, myself, Rob Crispin, and Brian Stevens were on one of the center stages. We did one of the uh, general sessions. Really good content in that. So check out knowledgecube.com, a mobility RE, as well as Modex. These two entities allow you to search and specifically target mortgage loan originators, branches. And if you're searching for a branch or getting wanting the statistics on what someone is doing, you can get it there, as well as connecting with top realtors. Both these companies do a great job. I encourage you to check them out, mobility RE and Modex, as well as Velma and VendorSurf, Vidyard, and finally, I want to say a special thank you to Alice, Andy, and Alan for their, and Joe, of course Joe, don't need to him up, it's got all the A's, Alice, Andy, Alan, and there's Jay, Joe, so for their contributions each and every week. I want to call attention, last week we had an amazing podcast on Friday, we had Bill Kelmer, as well as Pete Mills from the NBA, I encourage you to go to our website, search Lincoln on Lending, and Bill Kelmer and Pete Mills, it'll pop up you got to go check this podcast out. We talked about what the MBA is doing, gave us updated information, what's happening on the forbearance requirements, and uh, talking about the CARES Act. We're talking about four buckets, the CARES Act, GSE, FHA, NDAs, on the forbearance standards. Just a whole lot of information. Check it out. We did it really well. There's a couple things. There's some action items that we want to stress in there. The most important one is become active in using your Mortgage Action Alliance app that you can download on your mobile phone. You can have your voice heard. Yes, your voice can be heard on the Beltway, inside the Beltway, by those that are processing and trying to figure out what should we do. Should we listen to Mark Calabria and not do anything? Is everything going to be fine? Mortgage industry doesn't need any help. Or do we listen to the industry leaders that are challenging that in a respectful way and trying to get some help for those that are doing issuances of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans, that are, especially if they're delivering on a scheduled actual or a scheduled scheduled basis. If they're scheduled in the remittance uh, delivery system, they are needing help. We desperately need it. Got two places we go to. The quick download is there's a couple takeaways from the podcast last week is the $450 billion that's been authorized in the CARES Act, that's through the feds, but the feds have not activated it for mortgage assistance. And also both Republicans and Democrats in the House and Senate are supporting a liquidity facility that are going to get out, but that's most likely not going to happen until the end of May. And that's going to be a little bit, uh, could start getting to be too late. So we're seeing a lot of things fall out as a result of that. Sure, you saw last week where we saw Jamie Dimon and the Chase Mortgage Group move their minimum FICO scores to 700. There's others planning to do other draconian moves to make sure that the loans they do make during this time until the government comes through with something, they're going to be doing it at a credit range where there's very low probability of anyone taking advantage of the forbearance. So a lot of moving pieces on that. Go check out our podcast from Friday. If you haven't already listened to it, I encourage you to do so. Let's get over and talk to Rob Van Raphorst with this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. I'm Rob Van Rapports. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, 21 Republicans on the House Financial Services Committee sent a letter to Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin urging him to support a lending facility in response to a heightened level of COVID-19-related forbearance requests. Senate Banking Committee Chairman Mike Crapo also sent a letter to Mnuchin and Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell reminding them that they should be assisting the mortgage servicing industry with the funds granted by the CARES Act. 
Furthermore, House Financial Services Committee Chair Maxine Waters and Senate Banking Committee Ranking Member Sherrod Brown released a joint letter calling for the Federal Reserve and Treasury to ensure sufficient liquidity in the housing market. Also happening last week, the GSEs released forbearance scripts to assist servicers as they guide homeowners through their options if they have experienced a hardship as a result of COVID-19. These scripts should help promote consistency in borrower communications, an important objective of MBA's ongoing efforts. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Good job, Rob. Appreciate you doing that while you're in uh, Question Away over there. Practicing safe distancing. Appreciate all that the MBA is doing. And I can't say enough about the Herculean effort that's going on by Bob Brooksman and the entire team there. Again, go check out Friday's podcast. Les Parker's here with this week's TM Spotlight and an update on a macro view of the markets. Les? TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Hey now, Fed's an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, Fed's a rock star. Get the show on. Get paid. The market looks forward. Trillions of dollars chasing weak businesses and pent-up demand spells inflation. Plunging demand around the globe for energy, industrial metals, and agricultural products points to deflation. So does reduced food consumption mean we all lose weight? Is deflation dead? No. Is inflation ready to roar? No. But perceptions of both will push the market around, confuse the Fed, and make businesses hot. Will the Fed only printing bucks break the cold? These views are my own. Go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. Like that song. Good job, Les Parker and Gary Countrybone. Appreciate you teaming up on that. Check out tmspotlight.com. And subscribe to Les's daily newsletter. It is free. There's a paid version with even more information in it. But start with a free one. Start telling your associates about it. You will not be disappointed. Lots of information in it. Joe Farr, good to have you here. And again, as you know, it's not about much about economic data. But I think it's going to be interesting what we have going on this week. And especially focusing on the Dow. And I've been saying... As soon as you get past this COVID, we start getting into earnings reports and really looking at what's going on, especially with oil down. I think we could have another spike down that could pierce through the 18,000 level and go down precipitously from there. Hope it doesn't happen. What are your yeah, thoughts? But, uh, yeah, it, it, we've been on a nice little recovery. You know, when mm-hmm. like I reported last week, I think we're we've now recovered more than half of the drop from the, what, the February 12th high, I think it was. We had uh, recovered 50% of that drop, and so moving in the right direction. Although today we're we're down a little bit, but that's related to oil prices, as you mentioned, being down, and stocks, Dow's being driven lower by the big oil companies. But MBS prices are down just a little bit today as well. Uh, we had a pretty nice day on Friday, and then reversing some of these gains. After a pretty big drop in prices, the first part of last week, we have been pretty stable. As far as MBS mm-hmm. prices go, you look back over yeah. the whole month of April, it's it's really been almost a flat line, which is nice to say, it's nice to have, but you know there's still a, a pretty significant disconnect. I'll get into that in just a minute. You know, we had some news coming out of the Fed. They have been ratcheting up and down their purchases of MBS and Treasury, 
in the last two weeks, they've been announcing reductions in those purchases. Going back two weeks ago, they were on a pace of about $25 billion of purchases, and now they're down in the, and then they went down to 15, now they're down to 10 billion in purchases. So they've been less of an effect in the market, but they also, I think they pretty much realized that they weren't affecting the market much, at least not when you get down to the mortgage rate part of it. There's been a real disconnect when you mm-hmm. look at mortgage rates versus other things. Matthew Graham did a really good presentation in, in his morning announcement on NBS Live where he graphed out some comparisons of the spread between NBS and mortgage rates and the spread between NBS and treasuries. And, and it really was an effective presentation. And so you're looking at the week ahead, and as you've been talking about, what you talked about on Friday is will servicers begin to get some relief assurances and therefore, will the market have the confidence in MBS, primarily Fannie and Freddie, right. since Jenny's already given them some, to cause investors to accept a lower yield and to get that spread between, uh, you know, Treasury and MBS lower, and, that's in, and the actual spread between MBS and mortgage rates lower. So that's really going to be the thing I'd be watching out for this week. During the during the week, we do have home sales data, both new and existing home sales data will come out this week, but that's still, it's like March data and really will not have the full impact of what coronavirus is doing to our originations, our closings. Jobless claims come out again. Uh, it's been pretty astronomical, as we all have seen. It's in the right direction, though. The only good thing about it, I went from six to high right. six to mid six to five something, and the forecast for this week is four. But four million. So that's that's still a lot of people that are filing claims, but at least it's trending in the right direction. It is trending in the right direction, but again, where are we headed? We got a lot we got a lot yeah. of uncertainty ahead of us, Joe. So it'll be really interesting. Appreciate you being here with us. Thank you for your report. Appreciate it very Thanks much. Sure. Talk about MBS uh highway and I'm Looking at some of the stuff, I was on a meeting with or on a conference call, two of them last week. I was on with Casey Crawford, and Barry and I participated in a conference call with John Maxwell. And then also, Barry, I mentioned earlier, Barry and I were on the mortgage. Uh, Barry, Rob, myself, and David Steve, or I mean, uh, not David Steve, Brian Stevens were on with, with the Mortgage 2020 conference. And there was a lot talked about in there. But I, one of the things I just want to call your attention to, Barry is doing some a yeoman's job in creating some great content. And if you haven't checked out mbshighway.com, I encourage you to do so. Lots of videos pumping out, lots going on. Check it out. Appreciate it. Alice Alvey will not be able to be with us today. Our thoughts and prayers continue to be with Alice. We love her so much and appreciate her. A lot of questions are coming in. Some people are coming in and calling, and so I'm going to use a little bit of this time, texting me about Friday's podcast. One says, I listened to it. Any updates and any recommendations? So there's a chapter 13.3 part of the feds that have the $450 billion. Don't have my notes here in front of it. I can't remember exactly what they call it. 
but they have not activated that for use for the security holders. And why is that important? They say, well, I'm not, I don't issue securities. Why do I care? Well, you should, because the aggregators are backing up faster and faster on this point. We talked about, we saw last week, Jamie Dimon saying that they're raising the credit scores because he has zero confidence or low confidence, not quoting him, that's not his words. He has lower confidence that the feds are going to get anything done. So they're increasing their FICO scores at 700, pretty draconian it seems. I was on with a call with a client this week and they said their warehouse lender contacted him and says, you know, we're setting a policy in place where we're not going to fund any loans with a FICO score uh, below 680. Now they Went back and appealed that, and because in their financial strength and their long-standing relationship with that lender. But I think what's happening, there's no thinking about it. What is going on is what is the abundance of caution? Where are we seeing overreactions? We're certainly seeing some governors in some states overreacting. Massive protests are going to be going on again this week. And we're seeing that also show up with some lenders. Is it abundance of caution or is it wisdom? When you're sitting there, we had a tornado watch and then we had a warning which means there's one on the ground it's two miles away from our house and and my family's hunkered down in in the safe part of the house and i'm outside under uh, a covering looking at the wind and looking at things so i would look real foolish if that thing would have hit so was i just observing or should i have been hunkered down so i i tell you this it really depends that we will hindsight's 2020 in these times are lenders overreacting? The problem is we don't have information, and in a lack of information, we have a tendency to go to the more extremes. That's what's going on. So that is why it is so critical that we get some type of funding support for the securitizations that on, on the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, especially when it's the remittance schedule is on a scheduled basis, scheduled actual, actual or scheduled scheduled. That's where you have to advance, you the issuer, you, the lender, have to advance the payment to the security holder whether or not you receive the payment. So that's going to put a huge strain. It's already putting a huge strain. And uh, But there's no fund. There's a fund for Jenny May, but there's no fund for Fannie Mae. So as a result of that, we're seeing more aggregators back up. And to the degree that they back up and warehouse lenders responding, we don't know. What's an abundance of caution and what is an overreaction? Only time will tell. But what I'm telling you, listeners, is get prepared for whatever might be ahead. Andy and I often talk about flight simulators. The best thing to do is preparedness. What is this that definition of luck is? Is crisis met with preparedness? That, that's how you turn these things into something positive. So what are you doing to what is scenario? So I encourage you to think about what are you preparing for and do you have thoughts in the head? I got a call from uh, Todd Screamer over the weekend and Todd produced a video. Uh, he's the president, CEO, and owner of summit funding and he said dave would you check out this video and he's preparing videos to communicate based on different eventualities uh, what happens so i thought it was very forward thinking of todd he's one of the leaders in the industry he runs his company very wisely i was impressed with how he was preparing messaging out so important leaders are doing a good job of doing that leading that means communicating with your people if you don't someone else will and you're at risk yes sandy just wrote Success is when preparedness meets opportunity. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. Let's get over to Alan Pollock. Good to have you here, my friend. What you got for a tech update this week? Hey, it's good to be here. So, David, happy birthday to the World Wide Web. It is now oh, really? 30 years old. The WWW has made it to 30. Yes. 
And you probably don't know this, but it was invented. You, we've all heard jokes about who thinks they really invented it, but it was really <laughs> invented by a person named Tim Berners-Lee in 1989. It was basically a database of hypertext links that would be able to send data back and forth across networks. And you bet you didn't know this, that the World Wide Web is different than the Internet. A lot of people think they're the same. The Internet was started in 1969. Two computer scientists at UCLA were able to get two computers to send data back and forth to each other. So there it is, www30, and it's not the same as the Internet. And who we all have heard the jokes about who invented it did not really invent it. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, Al Gore. Sorry, Al Gore. It's so funny. Yep, yep. Anyway, well, we were talking the, about the it. It's interesting that you lead off with that because we were talking about this as a family this yeah. weekend. And I had the part that I had forgotten is the Internet and the World Wide Web, different things. They've come together into one, basically. Is that is that right. accurate, accurate representation? That they basically have merged into one and the same, but they did not start out that way. Interesting. They're, they are, What I like to say, they are the same but different. They are the same but different. There you go. All right. Yeah. So, David... Start, Tell me the difference between personal hygiene and cybersecurity. Uh, okay, go ahead. Help me out here. Personal hygiene is to protect yourselves from the coronavirus, but many are not taking the proper steps to protect themselves towards cybersecurity hygiene. And so okay. with everybody working from home, super, super, super important. Listen, everyone's already been working from home, so I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Everyone's already learned that. I do want to mention a couple quick things. Uh, one is that there are a lot of free tools or companies giving multiple months of free trials to VPN mm-hmm. software, to antivirus, to malware software. You can easily yeah. just Google that and find those links. Send them to your staff. Yep. Send them out so they have the proper tools and they don't have to actually pay for anything. The other thing is that there's a security company. It's called Risk IQ. They recently did a report. And what they're basically saying is because of coronavirus, there is an enormous amount of ransomware attacks that continue out because of this. And we have so many people that are working from home. They're also trying to homeschool their kids. Remember that ransomware and all other forms of malware are delivered as links or attachment in emails. And they appear to provide important information. Could even be about, you know, just pretending to be from your local municipality or something like that. And they lure people to download that malware. And then that sits on your, their computers, and it scrapes information and keystrokes, and it steals information from their computers. Remember, it is extremely, extremely important to put a couple things in place, if you can. One is share information with your staff. Let them know to take control and not to click on those links and only to find information by searching the Internet or going to sites or information you provide there is no need to click on any links in any emails whatsoever. That Good is point. the first step that will help in that point. The second thing is if you're technically or if your staff is technically enabled, they want to do more to secure their router, definitely keep their kids away from their work computers, especially if they have separate devices. And, of course, as we mentioned, virus and malware protection, and even more important than everything else is updated security and operating system updates. So your IT staff probably can do a much better job than I did explaining those items, but just keep that in mind. It's super, super important to keep your staff up to date and to let them know to be careful of ransomware. So, David, some good things in the news in addition to that. We have eOriginal actually just did a rapid deployment for originators so they can be up and running with all digital closing essentials. So that's eNote, eClosing, MERS, RON, in as little as two weeks. 
So uh, everyone's been making announcements in that area, so good for eOriginal if you work with them. Uh, you want to check it out. You may have heard some branding changes over at Ellie Mae. Uh, they just unveiled yeah. some new branding uh, to reflect their open platform approach to the full digital mortgage. Sounds like a mouthful, right? So the branding is going to be the Encompass Digital Lending Platform, and Capsulon component is now going to be called the Ellie Mae AIQ. And that's going to allow lenders to integrate all of the document technology, which you're going to hear more of in the rest of the session. Uh, it's going to allow them to integrate um, the whole process, the manufacturing process. And they're saying they can acquire and service loans 80% faster. So there you go. If you work with Ellie Mae, uh, you'll see that new branding coming out. David, we don't hear enough about this, but hats off to our friends over at Mortgage Coach. They just unveiled what they call the first of its kind gamification for the mortgage technology. Yeah. They've implemented badges, awards, and recognition into what they call their advice engine. And what they basically have done is they're incentivizing loan officers for each, each different thing that they do, helping them master the mortgage coach skills. Gamification, a lot of universities are teaching that nowadays. Ways, especially with the younger generations moving into technology and IT and all the things that we do and we'll touch in the future. And so hats off to Mortgage Coach. Uh, you want to check that out, uh, just give them a call. And, you know, we've heard a little bit about Brace. I think we talked about them once or twice. And, and I, I mentioned it only because they did a really big deal. And, again, document processing. They're the law submit platform for mortgage lenders and servicers. And they did a deal with a company. And I'm going to probably pronounce it wrong. It's O-C-R-O-L-U-S. So it's Crowless. And they're providing document classification technology. And what they're doing is they're helping out with automatically reading documents and extracting data and running rules so that Brace is more effective at the entire process. So you're looking at bank statements and pay stubs and mortgage assistant applications. So Brace is doing a really good job with that. Don't forget, this is really important, new topic, the extended EARLA timetable. So as we know, it's been pushed out. The new mandate is now March of 2021. August 1st of this year will be limited production. January 1st, 2020, 2021 rather, will be open production. So that's January 1st of next year. 2021, and March 1st is when the mandate starts and when pipeline transition has to occur. So we've got more time on the uh, early timetable. David, I have a webinar this Wednesday that I'm hosting for my company, Open Close. It's fact versus fiction. E-mortgage is different than e Well, it's fact versus fiction about e-mortgage, and I, I wanted to give a fact versus fiction. And, you know, a lot of people confuse these terms, and I just want to sort of throw this out there. E-mortgage is very different than e-closing, e-notes, and runs. And that's wrong. It is hmm. true that e-mortgage encompasses e-closing, e-notes, and runs. They're all part of the e-mortgage process. So a lot of terms and a lot of confusion around that. If you want to know more, you definitely can just uh, Google um, DocMagic Open Close, and there is that uh, webinar out there. Uh, also, if, you have, if you're a technology company and you have updates that you want to share, with the community, please feel free to give us a, give us a call. Uh, you can email me, Alan, A-L-L-E-N, at tms-advisors.com or david at tms-advisors.com. Have a great week, everyone. Yeah, thanks, Alan, very much. Appreciate it. We're going to move right on into the Profit Doctor. So grateful to have you here with us, Andy. How are you doing, friend? Just stay in place and stay safe. You doing well with that? Stir crazy? Absolutely. It's, it's well, no, not really. It's just it's really 
not that different. And now that the grocery stores are getting restocked, and I was excited yeah. to see butter and toilet paper at the local HEB. So the small things in life. You know, I didn't do the <laughs> hoard thing when the whole thing started. I didn't go out and buy five yeah, cards either. of toilet paper. I just, you know, I tried to be responsible and save it for everybody else. And But thankfully, it's, it's back, so I'm, I'm good to go. Yes. But planning, planning for bad things, like running out of toilet paper, planning for bad things is something that we should do just in our normal course of operating a business. So right. recently in mortgage lending, we've experienced a couple of, a lot of bad things, margin calls and secondary marketing losses. And the, the, the big one is the servicing advance obligation was out of vote. That That's taxation without representation. That's the whole Boston Tea Party thing. Servicers, the government said, people, don't make your payment. It's cool. You're chill. We're not going to report you negative on your, you know, negative reporting on your credit bureau. But by the way, servicers, you know, expletive, expletive, you have to advance the money whether you've got it or not. So at mm. first it was that there was no, uh, there was a lack of understanding around the issue. But at this point, and especially even with the Congress's lack of ability to move forward with the PPP, kind of really makes you wonder who, who's, you know, there's more than just Trump. There's lots of other people that are oh, yeah. causing waves throughout the organization. So people would like to blame Trump, but there's lots more people. Trump, hmm. The president of the United States is not the king and not the dictator. It's it's a third of the government. And so there's Congress is causing all kinds of trouble and regulatory agencies are as well. So anyway, moving on. That was a that was an that was a unnecessary soapbox. Okay, so talk about bad things. Talk about risk. Talk about things that can go boom in the night. We can have operating losses. What happens if a branch quits? An entire branch quits, or or coming up in a couple of months, what happens if we start getting a bunch of repurchase demand because we had a we had a FICO at six eighty that got closed and sold right when they changed the guide to seven hundred. And these are things we have to think about and look at and like Alan was just talking about, we've also got to be careful about IT things. What about data security and data breaches? And what happens if we have packet loss or data loss or all of our database gets erased or the Internet shuts down? I mean, all these things are things that are out there and things that we, we can know about and think about. Now, who would have thought of a pandemic? Well, <laughs> actually, banks did. Yep. FDIC banks really? have been planning for pandemics for years. Yeah, I, you know, I spent a career in regulated depository mortgage lending. And at a bank, FDIC, OCC, Credit Union Bank, depository, we have a pandemic plan. We've had a pandemic plan for 50 years. This isn't new. Well, 30 years at least. It's not something new. And that's why you can get access to your money. The the FDIC banks are shut down. They have been planning for pandemics, and they test pandemic response periodically, um, once or twice, certainly once a year, sometimes a year, and they figure out how do you make it so staff can work from home? What happens if the entire staff can't come in? So being prepared for a pandemic is something that banks have been been doing and been required to do for a long time. Now, here's my point. The point in all of this is planning for bad things is not fun. And so let's, let's put our, our toe in the behavioral psychology pool for just a second. So Planning for bad things is, a, is not fun. Thinking about a pandemic impact is not fun, and we would just as soon ignore it, all, all else being equal. So, and, and when you think about the personality typing that you've done a lot of, Dave, and just to take, make it, I'm going to 
simplify the quadrants and just say salespeople. Salespeople don't like to think about bad things. And in fact, when you're in sales management, you want the sales team to be excited and feel positive. Salespeople sell better when they are positive and excited. So you don't want to be fussing around with all these negative things. Now, many IMBs, many independent mortgage companies are run by salespeople. Therefore, planning to overcome bad things is typically not a priority because it's unpleasant. We don't like thinking about bad things. So we ignore them. Ostriches stick our head in the sand. So aside from this behavioral dynamic, this kind of a, a unique thing to independent mortgage companies, not, not as much for FDIC banks because they've been doing this, planning to overcome bad things is an essential part of business. You can't ignore it. It is important to prepare and and to prepare for the unexpected and then periodically test the plan to overcome the unexpected. So planning for the unexpected like is like you know, solving a puzzle, putting the Tetris pieces together, and sometimes they don't always fit. About the unexpected is something we have to do. And the things that go boom in the night, this planning for the unexpected, that's broadly called risk management. And that's what we get to talk about today. So I'm very excited to have a special guest on today. I'm looking forward to hearing Gwen's comments about planning for very the good. unexpected, planning for things we don't want to talk about, thinking about risk management, because sometimes bad things happen. Who could who would have predicted a pandemic? Well, the OCC and the FDIC has been planning for it for a long time. It's just astounding that it actually happened. So there you go. Very yep. good, Dave. Very good. Well, it's, what a great segue. And it's also interesting to point that banks manage risk more thoughtfully. Is that a better way to say it, Andy, than IMBs typically? Some IMBs have a lot of bank personnel in there. But I look at how some IMBs function, and you're right. A lot of them come out of they were successful in the sales side of it. They were loan, successful loan originators, got into opening their mortgage company, and they just haven't had some of those disciplines taught to them. So um, I really love your comments. I'm so excited that we got our guests coming up on that. But why do you think it is? Is it something that um, – is it an awareness thing? Is it something we need to be talking more about here, Andy? I think it's a little bit of both. People don't like to talk about bad things. People don't like to plan for bad things. People would rather be out selling more than thinking about how to prepare yourself when something bad happens. Now, you think about margin calls or, or servicing advances, cash flow effect. We can kind of get our head around that a little bit more. But even that, to the extent that it happened, wasn't fully prepared for. And so we've been talking about cash flow management for years and years and years and years. I've been talking about margin call management for years and years and years. Nobody listens. You know, we still have, the, the, the people that I've been talking to with about these things still had challenges because they were chasing nickels and dimes. They were, they were pursuing the best X, getting a half a tick pickup, even though it put them at risk with the broker-dealers. And, then, and I've told people for a long, long time, when the VIX is up above 50, start being careful about your exposure. When it gets to 60 or 70, trade with people who don't have margin calls. And I've probably four or five companies that I've interacted with to help them with this. They did their, their, their best the model wasn't updated, and they, and they traded all the way to the edge. So bad things happen partly because we choose to not accept the plan. And I, I think Gwen has lots of stories about this, but yeah. it's a, it's a well, it's a really interesting personal um, 
psychological behavioral dynamic that we will smoke even though it gives us cancer, eat too much chocolate even though it gives us makes us fat and gives us hypertension and heart disease. So why as a why does society do things that we know we shouldn't do? Well, because it feels good, because we like it. It's, it we'd rather yeah. feel pleasure than pain, so we ignore pain. Good job. Yeah, it's really good. That's really. I think we. I was on with a client. We were talking about that this morning, and how much are you preparing? And that's why I like those flight simulators. You get a commercial airline pilot, or if you get a fighter pilot, they spend a lot of times preparing for every scenario imaginable, and some that you would think are unimaginable. Great point you bring up. Appreciate it, Andy Shell, the Prophet Doctor. You. If you want to check out more information, go to our website. You'll hear all of Dan, Andy's information that he has on our website, Lick It On Lending. Go under the section having to do with podcasts, and you will see Andy listed out separately there. It's great information, and we're so grateful to have you be a part of us having been here for so long. So, yeah, it's under shows. I want to go ahead. No, uh, I updated my email, too. So now I have a new email that's drshell at mbs-team.com. Oh, Dr. Shell, I like that. Very good. Very, very good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Folks, that wraps up this week's market update, mortgage update. But we're, for those of you that are here, please stay tuned. We're going to get right into our hot topic segment. Special thank you goes out to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Finastra, Lenders One, Mortgage Collaborative, the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, Indicom, Inspirate, Ainsworth Advisors, AI Assist, Celebrity Home Loans, Knowledge Coop, Mobility RE, Modex, Velma, Vendorsurf, and Vidyard. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you back here next week. Thank you. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.